We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. you have no way to redeem and to transform your enemies but if you love your enemies love because love is contagious peace is contagious if you want to find peace sometimes you have to go to war within yourself or go to war with systems and in the status quo to see for those that cannot see for themselves and before we find that we yield to the biggest revolutionary of all time which is the most high everybody from the fatherless the widows the broken the babies the elders you want a revolution be the revolution and by the power of your love they will break down under the load good morning that's good to see. Who said that so joyfully? Was that you, Katie? Good morning. I love that. You should all be like Katie. Sorry to call you out like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sleep deprived, you know? Uh, it's good to see all of you all this morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Colin, uh, and I'm the pastor here at Branches, and it's just a delight to see all of you in worship today. I'm also just deeply grateful that you found a place to park. Uh, really, really nice. Some people are like, I've never parked in the parking garage before, uh, so we'll make note of that for next year uh, to, to drive people to the, the parking garage over here. But all that to say, we're just so glad that you're here today. If you would, please, especially if it's your first time, would you check in? Uh, there's a QR code here on the screen and just let us know that you're here. Uh, we're we're a better church when we know uh, who is here with us in worship, and so we're able to connect with you, let you know what's going on in the life of our community, uh, check in on you for you to get on the email list and see everything else that's happening as part of the Branches community. We'd love for you to check in and just let us know that you and your family were here today. As you saw in the, the bumper video we planned during the week, uh, these Sundays, uh, we're in a series for Advent called Revolution. And in some ways, we're taking the term like really literally. We talked about for the past two weeks this Christian hymn called The Canticle of the Turning, in which the hook of that song is the world is about to turn. This literal sense of revolution that the world is turning around. And we see in the Advent stories leading up to Christmas this expectation and this hope and this longing and this dream that the way things are now, God's going to turn it all around. And the surprise, the gift, the upturning of the world that God does is he sends in himself, in the flesh, this baby, this person, Jesus of Nazareth. And so that's what we're talking about in this series is that the way that God is determined to bring literal revolution, to turn the world around, is not the ways that we think we can bring revolution, but through this baby, through this child, through himself, God with us, Emmanuel. And so we've been looking at these people in Jesus' story before we get to Jesus on Christmas Eve, uh, these people that kind of paved the way for that revolution, the people that kind of had the initial sense of what God was doing and what God intended to do through Jesus. And so we're hearing today about Simeon and Anna. It's, uh, in my perspective, an overlooked story in the New Testament in Luke's gospel. So we're in Luke chapter two and starting in verse 22, going through verse 40. So you can follow along on the screen. Or if you brought your own Bible, you can follow along there. When the time came for their purification, being Mary and Joseph, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, 
a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you're dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit, we ask that in this moment, as we sing and lift our voices, as we pray together, as we hear your word, as we come to this table, as we share in community, shoulder to shoulder, that you would instill in us your pure joy of expectation, of hope, of longing, of looking forward to what you will do and celebrating what you've already done in us and through us. Do it again. Make us ready for it. Help us surrender to the way you want the world to be, that we might be means of joy, pathways of joy, arms and legs and feet and hands of joy, that people might experience your joy truly, fully, forever. We ask all this in your name. Amen. This is the Sunday, really, typically, where the Christian church talks about joy, where we celebrate together the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the scriptures say. And as we think about joy, of course, during this season, we think specifically about a couple of songs. A few songs come to mind. Not Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, uh, but Joy to the World, for instance, explicitly, Joy to the World. And when we sing joy to the Lord, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, we of course look back in this timeline and say, this is a Christmas song. We think of the shepherds and the wise men, and we think of this announcement to Mary, and we think of the expectation of all the people, just like Simeon and Anna and Mary and Elizabeth, and this joy that they'd been longing for, this joy that confronts the oppression they live under, this joy that comes into their lives just at the right moment is now being celebrated. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. But we also, every Advent, and this is something we have to remind ourselves of, we don't just celebrate the joy that has already come, but Advent is also a time of looking forward to the future. We think about the joy that will come, that this promise that God has made will ultimately come to pass in Jesus when he comes again in glory. 
So we say joy to the world, the Lord is come. Thinking about that future that we really can't even picture, but Christians for centuries have hoped for. One, God, you, you came in the form of this baby and you became this person, Jesus of Nazareth, and then you died and you rose from the dead and now you're seated forever, ruling over, and then one day you'll make it all complete. And we read like in Revelation 21 that all of our crying and mourning and tears will go away. Those are the first things. And God's peace and love and mercy and compassion will last forever. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Packed, packed into that very song we remember in history and we look forward with expectation. John Mark Comer, in his reflection on the idea of joy during the season, says, joy is living in the delight of what God is going to do. And how do we know what God is going to do? Because he's already done some things in the past. And so together we look forward to the future and say, okay, God, you did that 2,000 years ago. Now, in the same way, do it again for us. Do it for our neighbors. Do it for our city. Do it for our nation. Do it for Israel and Palestine. Do it for Ukraine and Russia. Joy to the world. Bring joy to the Lord. Come and be with us. How do you find joy? How do we live into the joy, the promise of what God is going to do? I think one of the kind of elementary ways, one of the surface level ways that we think about joy is those small moments that we capture in our lives that remind us of who we are and to whom we belong and really what we can hope for and long for and what we can rest in even when things are hard. There's a joke among pastors that if a pastor goes to the Holy Land um, for the next six or eight weeks, uh, that's all their sermon illustrations are going to be about. Uh, Every picture they have, good or bad, every illustration, like, I went to the Holy Land. You know, people call it the fifth gospel, and here's all my pictures of it, and I'll tell you all about it, wonderful. I've never been. This is my impression of them. <laughs> so when I do, you can make fun of me for it secondhand. Uh, I'll say the same is also true across the board for when you have a baby. So my deepest apologies to you that I will have plenty of baby stories for the next several weeks. Uh, Roscoe will be four weeks old tomorrow. Uh, he's watching online. Hey, Roscoe, hope you're asleep or calm, not screaming. Uh, hey, Landon, too, you're also there. Uh, at night, uh, we'll swaddle him and lay him in the bassinet, and the bassinet is right next to our bed, and his head is faced the same way our heads are in our bed. And one time in the middle of the night, I think Landon was a little anxious. It was a, you know just a couple of weeks into this. We have no idea what we're doing. She had put him the other way, with his head facing the other way, and kind of tilted the bassinet up a little bit so she could just, you know, barely peek inside and see that he was still there and still breathing and still there. Um, I heard some noise. I was anxious, as I am sometimes, and got up out of bed and ran to land inside of the bed to look in the bassinet, not knowing that his head was facing the other way, <laughs> and just looked in, and I woke Landon up and said, where's his head? <laughs> <laughs> It was just right there that is here. The, 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 I was, you know, I couldn't see very well. I had just woken up. I was frantic. I was panicked. And I, even though I woke her up, we laughed and are still laughing to this day about my, my wondering where Roscoe's head is. He, he, it's still there. He's fine as far as I know. Uh, I thought maybe it had been wrapped up in the, in the swaddle in some way. And we've gotten a lot of mileage out of laughing about that. And over and over again, just like the silly things that we've thought or believed or been worried about or the silly, funny things that he will do or the things that we've, we've done as new parents, 
And it's just brought us so much joy. Joy to share with another person, joy to share with this community, joy to share with our family as they come visit and get to know this new joy truly embodied in our life. That's what joy is. And when I was trying to think about what, what joy could really be like boiled down to, joy, the definition of it for, for me, outside of this beautiful definition that John Mark Comer has given us, is to say that, that joy is believing that everything will be okay, just different. Everything's gonna be okay. And sometimes people say that at the worst possible moment. Oh, you, you have this horrible thing happen to you. Everything's gonna be okay, not helpful. But the good news of the gospel is that everything ultimately, we have to dare to believe, everything will be okay, just different. Everything will be okay, Roscoe's head is just facing the other direction. <laughs> everything will be okay, babies are resilient. Everything will be okay, but it's just gonna be not the way we expected it to be. Everything is fine, everything will be all right, just different. It's a requirement, really in this season to find some joy. That's why we have figures like Scrooge or the Grinch to talk about like, how could you possibly be joyless in this season? So we have kind of these figures on the other side that maybe even capture a, a facet of who we are on the inside uh, when we maybe feel joyless, when we feel kind of up against the grain of the way things are and say like, I wanna find joy, but I can't. And psychologically speaking, we kind of know now that uh, and there's some kind of extenuating circumstances here in the past few years that have pushed the needle even further that humans tend to err on the side of the negative, to catastrophize, to wonder about the bad circumstances that could come following maybe a bad circumstance in the moment, that we tend to lean toward the negative. And I can feel in the moment just saying that out loud. Some of you are saying, no, we don't. Think about it for a second, <laughs> you know. That we tend to think, oh, things could always get worse. Things could make me more joyless in this moment. And, and so it's hard, I, I can say for myself, in a time where it's like, okay, December is around the corner, I better smile, I better put on my sweater, <laughs> I better be festive and bake cookies and invite people over and host dinners and be excited and joyful and in some ways, because we have this requirement and the rhythm of the Christian year to find joy, especially on this Sunday. That's this story, is how joy, this idea of that everything will be all right, just different, encounters these two kind of unknown figures in the Bible, Simeon and Anna. And we find in this story that both of them are advanced in age, both of them have been expecting something to come to deliver them from their circumstances. One, Simeon has been given this promise that before he dies, he'll see the Messiah, he'll see the one that God has promised. Then Anna, who's a widow, has been coming to worship and worship and worship this consistency, this rhythm, and she finds in that this new joy and she then just can't help but tell people about it, that our deliverance has come, the consolation of Israel is here joy has come. And so we see in the story, joy being kind of like four different things. Joy is this, this perfect timing. Simeon says, essentially, and, and this is my, my words, I can die happy because the one that God has promised is here in the temple today. And we kind of glaze over it, but it's like he took the baby in his arms. Like this stranger in the temple 
takes the baby away and then says all of these amazing things. And it says his parents, Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, wondered about these things being spoken to him. They were also probably a little annoyed and caught off guard that this stranger, this wacky guy, this old man is like, here, let me take your baby. This is the Messiah. <laughs> I'm a twin, some of you know. And my mom, she would have to take us out both of us at the same time, and it's a wonder that she was able to do it. And uh, she took us to church one time, and she was holding both of us, and you know, the swarm of people coming up, look at these, these cute ones, the boy in particular, so, so cute. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're talking to me, and then they go to my sister Jillian, and this woman is talking to her, and Jillian turns her face away, and the woman says, oh, are you shy? And Jillian turns back and says, we don't talk to strangers. <laughs> she learned well. Uh, Mary and Joseph didn't teach Jesus this. I mean, he's still pretty small at this point. They're dedicating him. But just to imagine the shock of this, this, I'm taking your son, I'm taking your baby, and I'm holding him, and, and he's the Messiah. This perfect timing. He's been waiting for it all along, and this, this couple, this teenage parents come in with their baby, and this is the promise he's been waiting for. Joy is perfect timing. Joy is completeness, or in the Hebrew imagination, shalom is peace. Again, Simeon says, I can die knowing that God has done what he said he was going to do. My joy is complete, Paul says in the New Testament. Joy is surprise. The surprise of Mary and Joseph, that they're just doing what they're supposed to do, taking their their baby now to be dedicated and, and bringing their sacrifice and presenting him to God and dedicating him to God, learning slowly that, you know, they don't really need to dedicate him. It's God here in the flesh. The surprise to hear two people confirm, Simeon and Anna, these, these longtime worshipers of God, say these things about Jesus. Just to hear them repeated. Master, Simeon says, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. Imagine hearing someone say this about your own child. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I see your salvation and it's this baby that I'm holding and I've taken from these wide-eyed parents which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And then Anna, uh, she sees this baby too. She never left the temple as she worshiped. She was a constant worshiper of God. And she began to praise God in the presence of Mary and Joseph and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, pointing away from herself and at this baby. Joyous surprise. And then joy spreads. We just heard it. Anna can't help. She doesn't ask permission to share this good news that has now come in the presence of this child. Uh, I'm not a physicist, uh, nor do I want to be, now that I say it out loud. Uh, But physicists and cosmologists, a long, long time ago, as I understand it, theorized that if something like the Big Bang happened, or uh, now they're calling it the everywhere stretch, which I think is actually kind of a neater name, (laughs) that uh, we can roll back the the tape, and as the universe expands, if we go backwards, we can see it then coming all together, maybe in a single point or a single condensed space of mass, that if that were to happen, that cataclysmic event where everything happened, and Christians wanted to say that God spoke it into existence, if that were to happen, a sound, a frequency of it, would still be echoing through the universe. It's kind of like this heavy thing to think about. Like everything that is has this hum of a sound that happened years ago, more years than we could ever even fathom. And they theorized it. And then at one point, 
some physicists and some astronomers heard this noise and they've now attached that noise in the, in the universe, in empty space, back to that moment. They theorized that thing that they thought about all those years ago is like, oh, that's that noise that we theorized about. This echo in the universe. There's a concept in, in the Bible across the Old and New Testament of God's glory. We've talked about it before, this Old Testament word, kavod, and it has a few different connotations. Uh, weight is one, and emanation is another, like beams of light, something coming from a source. I am amazed and captivated by thinking about Simeon holding this baby, and that this God who spoke the world into existence by his sheer love, not out of his need or uh, out of a missing piece, he had no missing piece, but out of his sheer character of love and compassion that he, he wanted to make something rather than nothing, spoke it into existence and that echo continues to echo through the universe and that echo then came physically in this person, in Jesus, God himself in the flesh. And then that echo was spoken through Jesus' words to his disciples, and that echo was then spoken from his disciples to all the earth, as we heard in this promise today, is now this promise breaking out of Israel and then to all the Gentiles, is echoed to them, and then echoed through the church for centuries, and then is echoing even now. And that's what Advent is, and that's what joy is, is we have this, now this responsibility We've been given this joy. God has done something and he promises to do something in the future and now you have to tell someone about it. Now you have to live your life that echoes that joy that God instilled in himself in a person in Jesus. You have to echo the joy that you might imagine Simeon had as he spoke these things about Jesus in his arms. We have to echo the joy that Anna, a widow who had every reason not to be joyful, spoke joy into the world and said, you have to come see this baby not because he's a big baby <laughs> or has some weird feature about him, but because he's God in the flesh, even weirder. God has come to be with us in this baby. And I can't hold it in. I can't help but share it with you. This past week, uh, Tom, my boss, was telling this story about another pastor friend of his uh, who has a facial tick. Uh, just kind of this random, he'll squint uh, and just kind of randomly without, without uh, any sort of warning, uh, just in the middle of a conversation will squinch his eyes up and kind of pause for a second and then kind of back into what he was saying or whatever he was doing. And they became close enough friends that I think he made a comment at one point that, that Tom asked him, like, does it annoy you? Does it bother you that you have this tick? And this pastor has repurposed it and said it to Tom, said that, well, yeah, it used to really bother me and still occasionally bother me, bothers me, but now when it happens, when I close my eyes, when I involuntarily have this tick, I imagine I'm taking a picture. It's like, dude, <laughs> like Tom's telling this story, I'm like, single tear, you know, <laughs> resting down my eye. Uh, the, the joy of being able to pause and to say, as we've been saying this morning, everything's gonna be all right. It's just gonna be different. Every longing that we have and, and hope that we have and dream on the horizon that we have, everything's gonna come to pass. And we dare to believe that, that it's in the hands of Jesus. This is gonna be different than what we expected. Every way of peace, even when there is no peace, every hope of reconciliation, even when there is broken relationship and no reconciliation, Every piece of brokenness, physical and spiritual and emotional, will be made whole. Everything's gonna be all right. This is gonna be different. 
and our responsibility, our calling, the imperative that we have from Simeon and Anna who, who did it for a baby. And we have 2,000 years of people's shoulders to stand on that experienced and communicated this joy, this Christian hope, this longing for things to be different, can sing joy to the world and have our feet in two places, can capture an image in two places that look what God has done for me and look what I hope he can do for us in the future. Look what God did in Jesus when he came to be with us 2,000 years ago. And let's imagine together what it'll be like when he comes again. Joy, pure joy to the world. Capture it. Take a picture of it when you see it. When you think your baby's head is missing, laugh with joy at how silly you are and how you shouldn't take yourself too seriously. And think to yourself and remind yourself in your laughter, in your smiling, even when it's tough, even in circumstances that don't ask for joy, try to remind yourself that everything will be all right. It may just be different. Let's dare to believe that together. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. God, we thank you for your joy. Wherever we can find it, help us be needy and greedy for it, that we can grasp onto it and hold onto it for dear life because we need it to live our daily life, to get through our difficult circumstances, to see beyond death and see new life, to share with others who are in distress, to lift up the lowly. Help us find your joy that we can see the world turn around it, that we can see it built in the very fabric of the creation you've given us. Help us be people of joy. Help us, even if we just need to say it, even if we don't truly believe it, even if we're just longing to believe it, that in you, everything ultimately will be all right. It may just be different than we expect. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.